Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think. This is our podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective. We use a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to our show today. I want to start out with a question, and I want you to answer, but most of all, I want you to notice your gut reaction. How do you feel about talking about money? And maybe if I broaden that a little bit, or maybe actually get more specific, talking about finances, what comes up for you when I think about finances? And I think for a lot of people, talking about money and finances brings up a ton of feelings of fear or anxiety. I get this little pit in my stomach, like, oh no, like, what are we going to discover? Or especially when I'm talking about money and finances with somebody else. It's like, what are you going to think about me? Is there any judgment or shame I'm going to have about that? And it just makes you want to avoid the subject. But these are the exact reasons why we want to talk about finances. Even though it is uncomfortable, there are a lot of reasons we need to understand and face in ourselves and about the subject of finances so that we can begin to overcome them. And that's kind of the basis of our podcast and of our show today. We want to talk about finances and we've got some help with that. Somebody who is more knowledgeable and probably a whole lot more comfortable than we are about that. Her name is Julie, Julie Harris. So Nathan's going to read a little bio about her and welcome her to the show. So Julie is an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. Her firm provides accounting, bookkeeping, and tax services to private practice owners across the United States. Their mission is for every private practice to be profitable. Julie also hosts Therapy for Your Money, a podcast all about finance and private practice. Welcome to the show, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how did you get into working with therapists? Yes, so my name is Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and I love talking about money because that's mainly what we do all day. So I have a firm. We're a team of 12. We're based outside of Washington, D.C., but we work with therapists all over the country and we specialize in working with private practice because years ago, by accident, we started getting a lot of referrals of mental health practitioners. And we noticed a lot of trends between our clients who were doing very well financially and also some different trends between our clients who were really struggling financially. We kind of cracked the code and found that if we shared that data with our clients who were struggling, we could really help them turn their practices around. And so we've seen lots of turnarounds over the year. We really focus on every practice being profitable. And that's not from a greed perspective. It's from a perspective that Every business should and can make money and should support the life of the business owner. So that's the perspective that we take. So I'm really glad to be here today and talk about money and finance. Yeah, that is so great. I imagine you've dealt with the fear that therapists have on that side quite a bit and maybe coming in you in a situation where they're desperate or they really don't know what they're doing. And I'm, I'm wondering why money and finances are just so scary for us to talk about. Well, I, I think it stems from the fact that, you know, therapists are a helping profession. And so I see over and over the desire 
to help everyone and to charge the least amount possible at the detriment sometime of the owner, right? So just giving, giving, giving always and never receiving. And so we come at it from a perspective of it's not selfish to want your business to support your lifestyle. It actually is the best thing to do because if your business can't support you in your life, if you can't pay your mortgage, pay your bills, you know, get your kids in, into the activities they want, have the comfortable life that you want, you'll have to eventually close your practice down and then you're not helping anyone. So it's actually the opposite of being selfish. It's the, the best thing to do to help your community, help your team members if you have employees and a team and it's the best thing for your clients. And also when you're not worried about money, you as a therapist can be present in the therapy room with your client and not being worried about how am I going to make payroll next week? Yeah, that's a really good perspective. And I think especially when you talk about us wanting to help people, when you kind of see where that road leads into a dead end, you realize, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to help anybody at all. And so that really gives, I think, a certain kind of motivation to address these fears and anxieties. Maybe if I just broaden out just a little bit before we jump in a little bit more specifically, you said in your intro that you actually really like talking about money. Who are you and how in the world did you get to that place? (laughs) (laughs) What's your secret? Well, I could not do what you do every day, right? So that's the give and take. For a lot of our clients, coming to see us is a little bit like, for me, going to the doctor and you you take off your, all your clothes and you put on that little flimsy gown, right? It feels a little bit vulnerable. So a lot of our clients feel that way when they come to us, right? We're looking under the hood, under the gown and seeing all the good, the bad and the ugly. So sometimes it's good and we say, you're doing a great job and there's profit. And sometimes we say, hey, there's a lot of uh, personal spending hiding in here or you know what's been going on with the situation or you haven't been saving for taxes or there's credit card debt or whatever it may be, right? So it feels very, very vulnerable. Uh, But I find it so empowering for our clients to take control of the money and not have the ostrich syndrome where you're hiding your head in the sand, right? Because the reality is money connects everything, right? Taxes are coming whether you want to or not. Tax season will come along and you will owe taxes. You may avoid it for a year, two years, three years before the IRS catches up with you, but eventually it will catch up with you. So taking advantage and kind of taking that by the reins It is so empowering for our clients to actually have control. And there's so much also peace of mind that comes with actually knowing what's going on in your life and in your business. That's really good. I think as I hear that, I hear in a similar vein where we work with people and helping them solve or overcome or understand their problems so that they can feel more in control of their lives or in control of themselves. That's really empowering for people's lives. And you're talking about the same thing with money. How did you get to the place of comfort and seeing money and finances as something that's empowering? And maybe even did you start out from a place of fear or anxiety? Do you ever have any of those now that you've been working and talking about money for so long? That's a really interesting question. So I would consider myself a a money hoarder. And I use that in the sense of I've heard Lindsay Brian Podvin talk about uh, different money archetypes. The way I feel secure about money personally is to have money saved away, right? So I'm very much a saver. That's just who I am. And I come from a childhood where we moved around a lot. And in that moving, there was often things that were sold or donated. So it felt often like we were starting over. And so that gives me security to know that no matter what, there's always enough kind of tucked away to the side over there. 
that's how I feel secure. And I feel like that's my gift as well to help others feel secure in that way of knowing things are, are handled. Yeah, it's helpful to kind of know how that development took place. One of the things I was thinking of as you were talking is the reality of therapists being in the service industry. And I was thinking about just from a sheer practical tax stance, I'm aware of a client in my mind that wants to own or operate a mechanic business, basically like open a shop. But I I was realizing, you know, he's going to be struggling with the same things that we struggle with as therapists, which is the boundaries around finances. And I was just reflecting on that and thinking, you know, accountant, accountability, and being able to hold strong boundaries around your value and not just give the store away, kind of what you were talking about earlier. And so I'm wondering when you're talking with therapists um, and they're coming in and they're maybe afraid of something, I imagine that they're also kind of comparing themselves to other therapists. I wonder if you get any questions like, so how am I doing compared to the other people that you work with and stuff like that? Yes. That's actually probably one of the questions we get the most. And because of that, we've developed some ratios. So at various stages of private practice, we can kind of tell like what's normal and what's not. And that's meant very much as a guide, right? It's not a rule. You have to be within this framework, but we can tell like, hey, this is very achievable. And we've seen, we've seen it over and over again. We know that it's sustainable and doable. And so this is a recommendation. So that framework can really help people have a guide on here's the thing I'm going to tackle next. Cause it's always hard to tackle all the things. And I think that's where a lot of folks, business owners are not get overwhelmed a little bit where they're trying to do everything all at once. And I just recently read the book atomic habits and the way that the author describes you changing a habit is so powerful to me that just a small incremental change, but over and over again, that can make the biggest difference. So we get a lot of comparison, but we can also help point people in the right direction as far as like, what's the next thing they should be working on. That's good. So kind of in keeping with this topic of, you know, common questions, what are some of the other popular or frequent questions you get? I'll also ask the question like, In addition to that, what are the common mistakes you see people making? One of the questions we get most often is like, am I making enough? Is this normal? Should I be making more or how can I make more? Because it's not uncommon for business owners to come to us because they're in a little bit of a crisis. It's not always the case, but it does sometimes happen. And so where they are realizing like, hey, I'm in this place where my business isn't quite sustaining my lifestyle or I have this dream for a better life, right? Maybe it's like, enough to keep the lights on, but they had dreamed of something better for going into business. And and that's not unusual, right? Entrepreneurs tend to go into business for a few reasons. They want to make more money, work less and have more control over their schedule. And it's not uncommon for none of those to happen. There comes a point where there needs to be an adjustment to make sure that that actually is happening. And so that's one of the questions we get most often is like, how can I change these things? In my firm, we are Profit First Professionals. Uh, Profit First is a book by Mike Michalowicz. It's a very amazing structure, and we've seen it just work so well across the industry, but across most industries as well. It's such a powerful framework for getting your financial house in order. So that's, for us, often one of the first steps that we take is implementing Profit First as a mechanism to increase the profit in the business. Yeah, it sounds like there's quite a bit of understanding who the person is, what their situation is, maybe understanding what their dreams are, their goals are, 
and then digging into the details really to try to understand, okay, well, what, what's going on that's maybe keeping you from that? And maybe even a bit of trying to understand what is each person's potential. How do you go about that process of getting to know a person in that regard and getting into all these details, not just the financial, I'm sure. Sure. Well, and I think that's one of the things that our clients love most about working with us is that there is that long-term relationship. We are kind of unique for an accounting firm. We don't take one-time work very often. So usually we'll we'll only work with someone on an ongoing basis. Um, So, and we get to build that relationship and we do it that way intentionally because that's the best way to help the client. So if you have an accountant you go to just at the end of the year and you don't talk to them the rest of the year, there's only so much that they can do once it's all said and done, right? So it's more of a compliance work, but especially when you have a small business, it's so powerful to have an accountant that's, again, like has seen under the hood, right? Knows what's going on in the business and can help speak to some of those financial decisions. Because a a lot of times for, for business owners and especially for therapists, like those business decisions can be very emotional, Um, and not necessarily based on data. So what an accountant can do who knows your situation is we often have the conversation with our clients around the decisions that they're making. Like, I'd like to hire a full-time admin, or I'd like to add another location to my business, or I'd like to buy a building or whatever that financial decision may be. We can either bring the data to support that or say, you know what, I actually don't think this is a good idea right now. We had one client who's thinking of expanding where we had to pull things back and say, you know what, based on the current situation, we just don't think you have enough cash to do that right now, maybe in one year, but with, you know, the winter coming, uh, with COVID the way it is, like, let's just hang tight to the cash you have and not make a big investment that may or may not pay off yet. Let's make sure you have enough reserves before going to that next step. Yeah, it really sounds like you've kind of found the secret sauce out there to kind of put on people's therapeutic practice and help them out. You know, one of the things you'd mentioned earlier regarding your childhood, you're kind of a natural saver. I'm, what I'm wondering is how do you balance when you're working with, I'd imagine in general, maybe two types of people, one that's kind of a spender versus one that's a saver. And I mean, two different clients is kind of what I'm trying to say is, yeah. how do you navigate that part of you that like is sitting there going like, you need to save all your money right now, <laughs> Do <not spend> <laughs> money. <laughs> you know, versus like, sure. okay, what's best for the person, you know, like the kind of stuff that we do in therapy, I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. And just because I'm personally a saver doesn't mean that I certainly probably do wear that hat sometimes, right? And sometimes some clients we need to pull back, but sometimes it's a really great position to be able to take a risk in business. I feel like my job is to kind of put like when you're at the bowling alley and they put those little ramps up um, in the bowling alley to just kind of give some guardrails, the guardrails, exactly. The guidelines of like, okay, maybe you're trying to go a little bit too far. Like let's bring it back. Right. So maybe a lot of times, you know, we're not the ones making the decision, right? So we might have a client who said, you know, I respect your opinion, but I'm still going to go do this. Um, or we might say, yes, we think this is a good idea as long as you can find the right type of loan to do this expansion, for example, where we'll help them make sure that the loan that they're taking is not a predatory loan with a ridiculous interest rate, right? It, it doesn't make sense to do expansion at any cost, but if you can get a loan at the right rate with the right terms, then sure, go for it. You have our, you have our blessing. It's, it's not easy. I am somewhat of a risk taker in business. That's the interesting part. Um, but (laughs) possibly because I have the safety net of, uh, savings, right? You saved up enough in the warehouse. (laughs) Right. And then, then it's okay to take risks. And so, yeah, 
of course, there's always some emotion that comes into it as well. And I'm sure in, in most uh, you know industries that that comes up once in a while. And sometimes I have to keep myself in check too. I really like just listening to you describe how you're working with people and sort of the the functionality behind that. And as I'm as I'm hearing that, I'm feeling so much more comfortable. Like, wow, initially it is scary. It's like putting on that gown and like I'm being really exposed. But the more you talk, I'm like, it actually feels really good to know that you're discovering like what's working and what's not working. And it feels more like you're a huge support. You're like somebody that people can call and talk to and say, hey, here's what I was thinking about, or here's what I have going on. What's your input on that? And you're just a voice of reason and knowledge and experience that can give feedback and shine a light into something so that people can make uh, better decisions. Does that sound accurate? Yes, that's really what we try to do. And we often will say, you know, it's a no judgment zone, right? So it is what you've done is what you've done. And we're not judging that. What uh, we try to do is just make things a little bit better every day. That's the goal, right? That next month you're in a better position than you were than you were last month. That's all that really matters. We can't change the past, but we can change the future. That's really hopeful. And I definitely get that in talking with you. We talked about some of the mistakes people make, you know, maybe it's not knowing those financial data, um, maybe being afraid to look at those things or jumping into something uh, without really knowing. Just in working with lots of different kinds of clients, is there like a common reason, whether it's a fear and anxiety or a preconceived notion about themselves or I don't know, is there like a common uh, reason you think people make the kinds of mistakes that they make? Well, I think, you know, most business owners don't necessarily go into business because they're so excited about doing the books, right? That's the reality. They have this cool idea and this applies across the board, right? Therapists don't go into business because they, they really want to, you know, run the credit card or do the taxes at the end of the year. That's just not the case for most people other than, you know, people like me. So, you know, it's really easy to avoid that. And especially when it's kind of unknown, it's got this veil of complication, So I I really believe that every business owner and everyone in general should understand the basic mechanics of how tax works for them, right? Just like the basic structure. When it's unknown, it can feel a little bit scary. And sometimes avoiding it just feels easier than looking at it. So one of the mistakes we see often is uh, business owners just doing what I call bank balance bookkeeping. So they won't actually look at how much am I spending? How much is coming in? They'll just look, pull up the app on their phone, look at the bank balance and, oh, there's money I I can spend today. Uh, But that doesn't take into consideration how much money did you make this month or this week or what expenses are coming up next month or next week. So it doesn't look at the big picture. And I think that's a big, that's a big mistake overall. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think in line with that. So if you're a therapist that is kind of up and coming and you're bootstrapping a lot of the stuff, you're just trying to do as much as you can on your own. Julie, can you speak to at what point does this therapist really need to have an accountant? So that's a tough question. I'll put it in two categories. So someone who's bootstrapping and just getting started, no matter what, for a small business owner, I always recommend having a professional do your taxes. And I say that because I've seen time and time and time again, people wanting to save money and self-preparing and deducting things that weren't deductible or missing big deductions that they were allowed to have, or even submitting the wrong form. I've seen that many, many, many times, more times than I can count. And so we get called in on the back end of that to fix those mistakes. And sometimes fixing a mistake is more expensive than doing it right in the first place. So generally speaking for any kind of business owner, I do recommend professional tax preparation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
you know, after one year of doing that, when I was trying, it was like, and I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And I, thankfully, I didn't get myself into a situation. But yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking practically right now. Do you have any kind of tips that you could share for our folks out there? Yeah, on the other side of that, on the bookkeeping side, I think it's okay to bootstrap that at the beginning. I don't think there's any reason not to do that unless you're someone who's saying like, I'm not going to take care of it. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to look at the numbers. And then you probably want to get some, um, some help. There's a lot of apps out there. So you can use, you know, QuickBooks online, there's zero, there's fresh books. Um, and there's a lot of other, other, uh, different ones. I personally recommend QuickBooks online. I think it's great, but if you're willing to put in a little bit of time and elbow grease on the front end and learn how that, works, you can do some of the work yourself, especially when you're in a a solo practitioner, just getting started. There's minimal complication in that system. So I think it's perfectly fine to learn how to do that. At the end of the year, when you get your tax prep done, you just want to let your preparer know, Hey, I did this myself. I need you to look over this, this situation. Don't assume that everything is correct. Just look over it, right? Just giving them that, that disclaimer, they'll price things out correctly to, to be able to do that. And then, um, I think it's a win-win there. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, that does. And it reminds me of a book that a friend gave me years ago when I started my business. It's called The E-Myth. And I think it had been updated called The E-Myth Revisited. I think the author is Michael Gerber, if I remember. Have you heard of that book? I love that book. Awesome. Yeah. It really speaks to what you're describing, which is, I think it was going into the franchise model, which is a baker goes into business to bake. And they, like what you said, they don't go in to manage the books or you know, maybe decorate the bakery or whatever. And so hiring those things out to somebody who is going to do a much better job, a more efficient job, they're really kind of focused on that stuff. While you've, as a business owner, you've got lots of things in your mind, somebody who can really focus on seeing all the ins and outs of that uh, and probably do a whole lot better job and a more cost-effective job is going to ultimately save you money and enable you to do more things with your baking. Is that kind of how you see it? I could not agree more. So I think at the beginning, most of the time, you're going to have to do some of it yourself, right? Unless you're starting a business with a big old pile of cash, you probably need to to do it. And in some instances, it's good for you to know how to do a lot of things, including bookkeeping, including updating your website, a lot of the basic things, right? You need to know how to submit your billing. You should know how most of these things work in your business. But there really comes a point where... For a mechanic, for example, if you're spending you know, your entire Saturday like looking at the books and figuring out, did I invoice this person? Did I run this card right? Like all of those different pieces, that's not time well spent. If you could instead take on more clients and pay someone else to do what's their zone of genius, you can then stay in your zone of genius. And I think the point comes fairly soon in a business where it makes a lot more sense. Um, in the sense of a, a therapist, you know, if you can not spend two hours doing your books and see clients, it's usually going to be a win-win. You're going to make more money by seeing two additional clients and be doing something that you love to do and you're actually really good at versus slogging through trying to figure out the accounting. Yeah, I love that. I think I definitely have bootstrapped in my business for the first you know, several years and it really gave me an appreciation for how hard those things were and really how much I appreciated farming those out to somebody else, hiring those to somebody like yourself who really enjoys those things, who's going to do a much better job, then it feels more like it's a value that I'm hiring it out. 
Yeah. Hey, I really love that zone of genius. That is awesome. You know, Aaron's much better at delegating than me. And I've kind of followed on his coat strings or whatever as things transition. I'm like, I will be the guy that'll hold on to things a bit too long. I'm nervous that it's not going to be done the way that I want it to be done or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I looking at the time and I'm thinking, you know, I want to tap into your zone of genius just a little bit here for the old Natester. That's me. So is there, so people that are in transition, right? So they're, maybe they're individual practitioners. They're thinking about pulling somebody on or you're starting out, you're trying to figure out making, uh, like moving into an office versus something else, or maybe you're trying to buy a building. Is there a certain kind of percentage or kind of a secret sauce way to think about um, what you need to have in the bank in order to move in that transition? Um, like percentage of money. Well, you're asking a saver for that, for the answer to that, <laughs> right? So you're probably going to get an answer that reflects that. So we might need to get you guys connected offline here. Right. <laughs> I think you've convinced him that he needs you. <laughs> I, so I like to see two to three months of reserves in the bank for a business. And so two to three months worth of expenses. That's not always realistic on day one, right? I completely realize that. But I can tell you, you know, when COVID hit in March, we were having very different conversations with our clients who had reserves versus those who didn't. So when you're thinking about this, a big investment, I generally like to to know that if something were to happen, you have the money to keep things going. So what I mean by that is that even if you're taking a risk and adding on a much bigger space or paying for a build out, uh, whatever that investment looks like, that you at least have enough money to keep the doors open while that is while that is happening. Because there could be a billing issue or something could come up or all of a sudden the calls stop coming in. Things shouldn't be so tight that if insurance reimbursement doesn't come in one week, then all of a sudden you can't make your mortgage payment, for example. Okay. So a general way to think about it, it sounds like, is in your mind, you need to have two to three months of business expense set aside no matter what. And anything above and beyond that is really what you could actually use. Yes. Because if you're moving into a new space, for example, you're generally going to owe at least one month uh, deposit plus the first month's rent, right? So you have to have at least that plus enough to keep everything else going. If you're buying a building, depending on what kind of loan you're taking on, you're generally going to need, in most cases, like 10 to 20% down payment. So if you have that money, great, but you also still need to keep the doors open in the business. So you just want, that's kind of how I think of things. But for our clients, we generally will run a break-even analysis and look at, okay, what's the true cost of taking this on? Because moving into a new space is, it's not just the deposit plus the first month's rent. It's also how much is it going to cost you to furnish it? Do you need um, a front desk person? Do you need all of a sudden janitorial that's not included in this? Like all, what are all the different pieces and what is the true cost? And so we look at that in how many sessions per week do you need in that space in order for that to break even, for you to not bring in any, any money into your own pocket, but just to break even. And how much do you need to sustain the profit margin that you have set as your goal. That's kind of the perspective that we take. What's the break-even point? So that way, if it's 35 sessions a week, okay, does that feel good? Does that feel achievable? Does it feel not achievable? And then we, so we try to, to break it down into a unit that makes sense to the business owner. Yeah, that's really helpful because then it takes something that's really, you know, like if I'm, if I'm an owner or even, even just a person with, you know, personal, if we're just talking about like personal goals, it's taking a goal and, like operationalizing it, putting some uh, definition to that so I can see what it's going to require of me in order to get there. 
a lot more clearly. I would imagine, too, that you would suggest having a certain amount of savings for everybody, even if you're not trying to make a big purchase, just to in case something were to happen. Is that true to have like, you know, two to three months of savings in general? Yes, I think that would be ideal. I know that's not the reality of the uh, average American family. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. I forget what the exact percentage is right now, but obviously that is always a good thing. So I I am a big uh, advocate of saving. I think it was unintentional that we talked about saving so much today, but it, it, saving is a good thing, right? So whether it's just saving, you know, 10, 20, $50 a paycheck, into an emergency fund. I think that's positive. Whether it's putting some money in a retirement account for the first time, I'd rather see some money in retirement than no money in retirement, right? Sometimes folks, business owners, and just on the personal side tend to take an all or nothing approach to this where I don't have enough money to max out my IRA, so I won't put anything in it. And I think that that can be a mistake too, that something is better than nothing. Some movement is better than no movement. Wow. So really, if you're if you're like most people that are listening right now, right now, the last probably four or five minutes has been extremely informative and basically highlights how people need to consider a person like you in their life. Because the other side of that is tracking all of that and dealing with it later, like a year later on their taxes. I, I mean, that in and of itself is kind of um, overwhelming. Especially on the business side. If you have a business and you're making money, you have to save for taxes, right? Um, We live in a world of instant gratification, and that sometimes shows on the financial side where people will do what feels good now without really considering necessarily the future. I think it's important to consider if spending is in line with your values because a lot of uh, business owners will come to us and say, well, I really want to be spending more time with my kids, or I really want to retire in 10 years. And those are true and valid dreams and wishes, but sometimes the spending is not in line with those values. And so that's a thought uh, to take is, is my spending in line with my values? If I want to spend more time with my kids, am I considering my spending? Like if I go out and buy a really expensive car, that means I need to work more in order to pay for that car. Is that in line with my values of being more present with my family? I would say it's not. So you know, all of those considerations are important, but a small step is an incremental change in the right direction. And that's always positive. Yeah, that's really helpful. Just as we turn the corner and head for home here to finish out this episode, I want to kind of summarize that this has really been helpful for me. And just in kind of thinking through my own process, my anxiety around money, you've really helped to see how diving into it and kind of seeing what's going on helps you to get a better idea of what's actually happening. And so that it's like, okay, this is what it is and no more. Your imagination doesn't have to run wild. But then also now that we know what is going on, we can see what to do about it. And you've given us some great tips about, you know, trying to build towards a couple, two to three months of savings in case something were to happen. You've got that safety net there. You talked a bit about just kind of brushed on it. I'm sure if people were to get in touch with you and flesh that out and help them to figure out a lot more strategies, but of like, okay, how can you work toward that by just saving a little bit here and there, whether you're making a certain number of dollars per hour, how can we shave a little bit off the top of that and start contributing toward that savings? And then you also talked about looking at your spending and sort of getting that in line with your values to make sure that you are doing and being kind of the person and the business owner that you want to be that's going to get you towards your goals. Is that a good summary? Is there anything else that you would want to add to that that's practical and helpful for people? I thought that was a great summary. Well done. (laughs) 
good. I, I want to make sure I'm listening because you've given some great tips and I need to make sure that these sink in and I can take them home. He's going to be reading his own show notes. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much for taking the time to get us excited about finances or at least for, I guess, the low-hanging fruit would be to not be so afraid and anxious about it and be maybe a little bit curious about what we might find as we open the hood and look under it. You mentioned before the show that you have a giveaway for our audience, a course. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. So I have a, a free mini course for therapists in private practice where we go over the four financial stages of private practice. So we go over what's normal at each stage. And to get that course, you can go to greenoakaccounting.com. And at the bottom there, you'll be able to register for the free mini course and take a look at that and give us your feedback as well. Awesome. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well, along with some of the other, like the books that we mentioned here. And then also, Julie, are you on social media anywhere? Yes. So I am on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Green Oak ACCT for accounting on both Facebook and Instagram, and also uh, Therapy for Your Money podcast on Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you, Julie, so much for taking the time to be on our show and to share with us your knowledge and expertise. If you want to get in touch with Julie, we'll have her contact information in our show notes again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Julie. This has been really helpful. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course.